0: And on this week's show we take a look at the inaugural edition of the CAF Women's Champions League, running from the 5th to the 19th of this month. Egypt are hosting, eight teams are taking part, and Nigerian legend Perpetua Okwacha says it's difficult to predict who might take the trophy.
1: We can't be able to say really who will win the tournament. I believe like all the teams that qualified here, you know, they are good
0: teams. Lots on the Women's Champions League coming shortly, plus your thoughts on who's the best African striker ever in the English Premier League. Is it Didier Drogba or is it Mohamed Salah? And lots on the Premier League elsewhere as Antonio Conte takes over at Tottenham and the Manchester Derby is on this weekend. So the inaugural edition of the CAF Women's Champions League kicks off or kicked off on Friday, depending which day you're listening to the show. Egypt are hosting and with eight teams taking part and with all of the games being played in Cairo, there were regional qualifiers held around the continent. So, in Group A, there's Wadi Degla of the host nation, Egypt, there's A.S. Mande of Mali, Malabo Kings of Equatorial Guinea, and Hazakas Ladies of Ghana. In Group B, there's Vihiga Queens of Kenya, Mamelodi Sundowns Ladies of South Africa, A.S. F.A.R. of Morocco, and Rivers Angels of Nigeria. Let's hear from the coach of Kenyan side, Vihiga Queens, a Boniface Nyamunyamu, who spoke to the CAF podcast and says that he's hopeful.
2: We are coming to Egypt to do our best and win the tournament with the trust in the Almighty God, hard work, teamwork, and unity. I sincerely believe it will be possible because we are a vigour queens, the legacy makers.
0: And here's the coach of Mali's AS Mandé, that's Abdraman Maiga, also speaking to the CAF podcast.
3: Bon, je pense que à chance We are starting on equal terms because these are teams that have been designated as champions of their respective zones. I'm not afraid of any team in the group, but I can at least designate one as the favourite. It is the host country, which is Egypt, and not only through its talent or because it's a football country, but also because the tournament is played at home and the public will be almost acquired. Like all the other teams, our ambitions are legitimate. We really intend to make a tailor-made service and to give an honourable place to the team, especially for the country. The preparation? It remains the same compared to the first tournament, and it is local, based in Bamako. Perhaps we may lack the means, but we will do with what we have. Since the start of training, we have been planning and taking that in the office. Now we're waiting for reactions.
0: So that's the A.S. mandate coach, Abdraman Maiga. And we often hear coaches saying that anyone can win it or that it's too hard to predict. But uh, in this case, Ida, maybe it is indeed a difficult one to call.
2: Well, it's arguable, Steve. Uh, if you mean a difficult call because, you know, this is the inaugural edition, so it will literally set the template for all other editions, then, you know, maybe yes. But look, if you ask me at least there are definitely some out-and-out favorites. And uh, more or less along the same lines, just allow me to quickly put a different spin on what one of the coaches said. I believe it's the AS Monday coach who said that the teams are starting out on equal terms, you know, because the squads are champions of their respective regions. Well, that may be the case, Steve. Uh, these teams are also wildly different, you know, even just in terms of exposure and opportunities. I mean, let's look at Wadi Degla, for example. They'll be representing Egypt, who are the hosts, and they have been in existence for about 14 years now, and they do have a record 12 league titles. Now, it's a madly, madly successful group, Steve. And it's interesting as well that Wadi Degla is also the owner of Liège Football Club in Belgium. So this is a team that has a significant amount of international exposure. So much so that they even have an agreement with English Premier League side Arsenal. Wadi Degla's women played in the Arsenal Cup in London. They won that friendly tournament in 2008 That was just a year after their inception. And in 2009, Wadi Degla hosted the Invitational North Africa Tournament. Now, of course, this is all the top sides in the North African League's taking part. They finished in second place. That's two years after their inception. In 2012, Wadi Degla won the Discovery Football Tournament in Berlin. And they also won the Lebanon Friendly Cup in 2015. So all this to show, Steve, that this is a team with a huge, huge level of international exposure. And in as much as every region in the continent is represented in the Cup Women's Champions League, let's not forget that some regions have two representatives instead of the standard one. So let's look at Wafu B, for example, uh, the West African Football Union. It has Ghana's Hazakas and Nigeria's River Angels. And it's because this zone is the holder of the orkin So it does get that privilege. Let's look at UNAF, for example, the Union of North African Football. Well, this zone has the club from Morocco and it also has Wadi Degla. And it's because this area does consist of the hosts. So it also gets the privilege. So, Will this factor boost the chances of seeing a club from one of these areas go through further? We'll see.
0: Right, so Ida thinking that Awadi Degler of host nation Egypt have strong claims to win the inaugural CAF Women's Champions League. Another CAF podcast also spoke to a legend of the African women's game, Nigeria's Perpetua Nkwacha, as she's a four-time African women's footballer of the year, as she thinks it could be a tight one.
1: Yeah, right now we we can't be able to say really who who we win the tournament or who we whatever you know. Yeah, but I believe like all the teams that qualified here, you know, they are good teams. You know? So and it's gonna be a tough game for them because this is the first uh, ever uh, women's Champions League. You know, I would like to tell the younger players, you know, for the for them to work hard, you know. Let them think think of working hard first before of anything, because when you work hard you get a good result. So that's my advice to them.
0: So that's the legend Perpetua and Quatcha and no doubt Ida indeed this is such a big opportunity for players to improve their game.
2: Absolutely, Steve. I mean, all the teams featuring are beasts in their respective home countries. I mean, uh, Vejega, for example, have won the Kenyan League for three consecutive seasons. Mande from Mali are four-time national winners. But here, Steve, on this continental stage, I think is where they'll really be able to test their mettle, you know, and see just where they rank in Africa. And allow me to stretch it a bit further. It's not just a huge opportunity for the players, actually, but also for the clubs and relevant authorities generally. I mean, this might be the biggest tournament that majority have taken part in thus far. To also see what it takes, you know, from a financial, logistical, administrative point of view. I mean, some of the clubs have barely pulled together, you know, to make it to Cairo for this. So... Looking at Hazakis, for example, they did make an appeal in Ghana, you know, for people to support their campaign because it is reported that CAF is providing accommodation, meals and transport within Egypt for the teams. So airfare, which is a huge, huge cost, is basically on the clubs. Kenya's Behiga Queens also struggled with their budget. you know, that they had estimated at the time to be around $90,000 that they needed but they still managed to make it to Cairo. And Steve, I believe based on this aspect alone, you know, there is a lot... That can be learned from the Moroccan Federation, you know, which has gone about development of the women's game in a way that few have. Steve, look, I know we've touched on this previously, so I'm not going to get into all the details. But look, between the four year plan and the substantial amounts that they've allocated to the women's game, it really, really is a beautiful thing to see. So indeed, it will be a growing experience for all.
0: Yes, it certainly will. And Morocco launching a big, big development programme for women's football a year or so ago. Thanks very much, Ida. Asking for your thoughts on this this week, are you interested in the CAF Women's Champions League? It's a brand new tournament running from the 5th to the 19th of this month. Egypt are hosting. Are you interested in the tournament and what do you think it can achieve for women's football in Africa? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Are you interested in the CAF Women's Champions League? Right, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to the World Cup qualifiers, this in men's football, and the games continue from Thursday of next week for six days. This is match days five and six, and that'll bring the group stage to an end, and we'll then know the ten teams through to the final playoff round. Well, Senegal and Morocco already made it with two games to spare, and Algeria, Tunisia and Nigeria are top of their groups and in with a strong chance, along with Egypt and Mali. Uh, Group D may well come down to Cameroon hosting Ivory Coast on the final match day in a winner takes all contest. And in Group G, Ghana hosts South Africa in the final match day, in what also could be the decisive game. So looking forward to those games are starting on Thursday of next week. Right, to social media now. Last week, we asked, who do you think is the best African striker ever in the English Premier League? Mohamed Salah became the highest-scoring African player ever in the Premier League with his hat-trick against Manchester United, taking him to 107 goals. Didier Drogba is on 104, Sadio Mane on 100, Emmanuel Adebayo on 97, and Yakubu on 95. So we asked, who would you say is the best African striker ever in the Premier League? One of these five, or even players like Wanko Kanu or el Diouf?" With the comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh,
3: thanks, uh, Steve. And on uh, Facebook, uh, Salim Ndeleni in Egypt replied by posting a video of Didier Drogba's goal against Liverpool with his incredible strength and power as he ran into the box, holding off three defenders and scoring. I saw Salim going for Didier Drogba there. And Usman Suare of the Gambia says... King Drogba. Mohamed Ba in the Gambia also goes for Didier Drogba. He says Didier Drogba is the best striker ever in the English Premier League. Drogba played for a long time in the English Premier League for Chelsea. And he was a fantastic goal poacher who scored with his head and both feet. That makes him stand out for me. Despite Mohamed Salah scoring more goals than him, I will pick Drogba ahead of him. Mwenga Maimbolo of uh, Zambia says, I would say Yakubu is the best African striker ever in the English Premier League because he scored most of his goals while playing for average teams, whereas the likes of Salah, Mane and Adebayo uh, did so while playing for big teams. So Mwenga they are going for Yakubu. And David, also known as Tobabs in Nigeria, uh, goes for Yakubu, who played for Everton, uh, Portsmouth, Middlesbrough, among other clubs. Now, David Souza Chima in Lagos says, "Aig because he played in different teams and lower teams while competing as a top striker. Mande Wab Francis in Uganda goes for Mane. Bolong Baji in the Gambia says, Sadio Mane, because of his firepower, would have been the one for me. But Mo Salah has an edge over him by knowing how to get in good positions when to press and drop and being very decisive too so i choose salah as the best striker by far says bolong and then we had plenty of others saying that salah is the best african forward ever we've got titus Kiai in kenya jalo osman in sierra leone both opted for Salah. Adama in the Gambia says Salah is great and his stats are crazy. Hamu Fawash in Egypt says the number one, the king, Morsala. Alexandra John in Sierra Leone goes for Morsala. He says Morsala is out of this world. He is a genius, the best player from this part of the world. And Keba Jalong Sane From the Gambia He says They are all great strikers And Didier Drogba Was one of the best African strikers In the English Premier League And he won lots of trophies But at the moment Mahmoud Salah is the best African striker In the English Premier League Because he broke the scoring record Of Didier Drogba But the argument was not settled at all Here's a voice note from Emmanuel In Nigeria Personally I'll go for did they draw the bar? Because it kind of proved that, yes, I think it was the one that, that showcased Africa in the EPL. That, yeah, African strikers have something to deliver. And it's not just about money and stuff like that. If you look at his contributions, he was there with Derby games and stuff like that. He was always there performing, showing his class. And he wasn't stingy player as I would put. Well, if you look into Salah, his game is kind of selfish to some extent, I yeah. Thanks Emmanuel, and uhm, Chelsea Johnny says, Hello Steve, most Salah and Mane are good players, but they are not on the same level with Drogba. Drogba is the African best player, no doubt. Nguiwa Kamtof Oskidi Kuzwayo in Durban, South Africa, uh, says Drogba was a beast. And Nedam Asami in Lagos says Drogba is all-time best African striker. So there you have it, uh, Steve. Those are our correspondents uh, for this week. And it does seem like uh, most of our correspondents this week, uh, the majority are split between Didier Drogba and Mohamed Salah.
0: Indeed. Uh, thanks, Ephraim. That's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. Uh, such an interesting one, this. And uh OK, Ida, I don't think you can solve this one for us, but uh, which side are you on?
2: <laughs> what a massive response from the people there, Steve. And um, well, I'm definitely on the Drogba side on this one. And look, I'm going to base mine simply on impact. Drogba is a player who really helped lift Chelsea from frankly, what was an obscure team to arguably, you know, the best team in the English Premier League during his period. And he was notoriously clutch. He scored in some big, big finals for Chelsea. Look, I think Salah and Mane have done exceptionally well for themselves at Liverpool. But the fans respect the success that they enjoy. One can argue you know, is partly based on the reputation, you know, that the likes of Drogba created for African players in England in the last decade or two. I mean, Kanu was massive in England, you know, with the likes of Arsenal, Portsmouth, and Yakubu was a stone-cold finisher. But their impact, at least to me,
0: just wasn't as big as Drogba's. Right, well, so the statistics in terms of goals say that it's Mohamed Salah. A lot of people, though, saying that it's Didier Drogba for his impact, uh, like Ida there. I'm wondering maybe if we look at this in five years or so from now, perhaps we'll see Mohamed Salah in the same kind of legendary light that we see Drogba in. But uh, no doubt, yes, Drogba was a huge pioneer for African players in the English Premier League. Well this is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport, still to come, Stuart, on the Manchester Derby on this weekend. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Okay, more on the English Premier League now and on the UEFA Champions League too. I'm joined by our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK. And as Stuart Tottenham lost their patience with manager Nuno firing him ten games into the season? Uh,
4: What do you make of that? When we talked last week, we were saying that a bad result in the tottenham Manchester United game could result in the manager being fired. But wasn't it funny because we were thinking of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer but in the event of Manchester United winning 3-0 at Tottenham, it was the Tottenham manager, Nuno, who was fired. I have a lot of sympathy for the African-born Nuno. Uh, he's got Portuguese citizenship. He was relatively unknown when he was appointed Wolves manager in 2017. He got them promoted from the Championship in his first season and then twice finished seventh. But when they were 13th last season... He parted company with Wolves and was quite surprisingly appointed by Tottenham. But he started in difficult circumstances because it was widely known that they had been talking to Paolo Fonseca and Antonio Conte and that, frankly, Nuno was about the third or fourth choice to succeed Jose Mourinho. And not only that, but Tottenham's star player, Harry Kane, was making clear that he wanted to leave the club. Ironically, Nuno could not have had a better start to the season, with Tottenham beating Manchester City on the first day, winning all three league games in August to go top of the league and to see Nuno voted manager of the month for August. But then defeats by Arsenal, Chelsea, West Ham, Crystal Palace and Manchester United saw Tottenham drop to eighth. And I think that really sealed Nuno's fate. He's actually only the second Tottenham manager ever to lose five of the first ten league games in a season. The previous one was Christian Gross in 1998 and he didn't last long either. Nuno is not a charismatic figure and he seemed neither to win over the players nor the fans. He's also been criticised for setting his team up very defensively when Tottenham have traditionally been seen as an attacking team playing with flair. It also has to be said that while Harry Kane has stayed, he's looked a shadow of his normal self. The player who scored 23 league goals last season has got just one this season. Harry Winks, once described as the best passer of a ball in England, 10 caps for England, has only started one game this season. And then there's Dele Alli, out of favour with Mourinho, but back in the starting lineup with Nuno, but he's now back on the bench. So, while Nuno has carried the can for the team's failures, arguably his players have let him down badly.
0: Yeah, so other issues besides the manager. Uh, so, the new Spurs manager is now the former Chelsea and Inter Milan manager Antonio Conte. Uh, will he bring improved results?
4: Well, it's certainly been a busy week for Antonio Conte. Um, First of all, he was leaked with the Newcastle United job. Then he was going to Manchester United when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was being fired. And now he's been appointed the new Tottenham manager. He is the 10th Tottenham manager since the year 2000. Mauricio Pochettino lasted five years, but the average is only two years. Now, he's certainly a heavyweight with an impressive record. As a player, 300 appearances for Juventus. 20 caps for Italy, and he played in that great Juventus team that won Serie A four times and the Champions League. As a manager, as you say, he was in charge of Juventus for three seasons, Chelsea for two, Inter Milan for two, as well as being coach of the national team in Italy. And as a manager, he took Juventus to three league titles. He won the League and FA Cup with Chelsea and last season took Inter Milan to their first league championship in 11 years, but then left at the end of the season. Now, I read him talking about his coaching philosophy. He said the word coach has to encompass everything. It's no good just being good at tactics. It's no good just being able to motivate. It's no good just being a good psychologist. You need to be good at all of this and managing the club and the media. You've got to try to excel at everything. And to do this, I have studied since I become a coach; it's been continuous study. It's great to have him back in the Premier League, but I don't think he has an easy job. I would expect, come the January transfer window, to see Manchester City making another attempt to sign Harry Kane. In agreeing to stay at Tottenham in the summer, Kane said no more than he was not leaving at the moment, and his desire to play for a big club and win trophies undoubtedly remains unchanged. Conte is an excellent coach who will undoubtedly get the best out of the current squad. But whether that squad is good enough, say, to qualify for the Champions League this season, whether Harry Kane will be part of the squad after January, and whether Conte will be able to attract star players in the January window are three big questions which remain to be answered.
0: Yes, yeah, so we'll see how he does and we'll see too if Harry Kane stays at Spurs. OK, this weekend it's the Manchester derby, Man United hosting Man City, the United escaping with a point in the Champions League against Atalanta midweek, thanks to Ronaldo again. Uh, but I'm still coming across a lot of Man United fans here who are concerned about their team stewards.
4: Steve, we have a saying in the UK that a week is a long time in politics. And I think you could say a week is a long time in the life of a Manchester United manager. Less than two weeks ago, United were losing 5-0 to Liverpool and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was, we were told, on the brink of being sacked. Then United produced an excellent 3-0 win away to Tottenham, followed that up with a battling draw at Atalanta in the Champions League, which now puts them top of the Champions League group. To be fair, it was a stoppage time equaliser by Ronaldo which salvaged the draw. How does he keep getting these late goals, Steve? It was a really exciting game, which either side could have won, and in the end, 2-all was a fair result, and I think good enough for Solshar, really. But I have to say, Steve, that the fact that three of the four goals were awarded only after a lengthy deliberation by VAR somehow added to the drama. One of the changes that Solshar made to the team after the defeat by Liverpool for the Tottenham game, was to play Edison Cavani alongside Cristiano Ronaldo, a strike force with a combined age of 70. It proved to be effective with both players scoring. Ronaldo seemed to be playing better, with Cavani making all those runs around him. And another change was to put in three centre-backs supported by two wing-backs, and United certainly looked more solid at the back than against Liverpool. But the selection of a 34-year-old and a 36-year-old striker must be really frustrating for 20-year-old Mason Greenwood and 21-year-old Jadon Sancho, who both spent the entire game at Tottenham on the bench. For the Champions League game in Italy, Marcus Rashford came in in place of Cavani, but by the time Ronaldo got that 91st-minute equaliser, Cavani was on with Greenwood, Sancho and even van der Beek. But you have to say that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got it right in both games and got a result in both games. But the pressures never end for Salter. As you say, Manchester City visiting their rivals on Saturday. And after Manchester City, it's Watford, Chelsea and Arsenal who are next up in the Premier League, as well as a difficult Champions League game away to Real. I am sure that Ollie wishes he was playing Norwich City rather than Manchester City this weekend. But don't forget to be optimistic that the last four league games between the two Manchester clubs have seen Solskjaer get three wins and a draw. And of course, City themselves are coming off a rare league defeat at home to Crystal Palace. I think it promises to be a really exciting game, too close to call, and it will be fascinating to see what blend of youth and experience Solskjaer sends out to face the City rivals
0: Certainly well looking forward to that one and uh, so much else to uh, talk about Stuart uh, what have you got for us
4: There were a number of African scorers in the fourth round of the Champions League and pride of place must go to Sebastian Haller with the Dutch club Ajax He scored the winning goal against Borussia Dortmund in Germany and Haller has played in all four Champions League group games incredibly scoring eight goals Other African goal scorers were Adama Traoré for Sheriff share Tiraspol in Moldova, but they lost to Inter Milan. Riyad Mahrez scored for Manchester City, unusually with a header. And Hakim Ziyech uh, scored the only goal in Chelsea's win over Malmo from Sweden. Burnley ended a bad run at home with a 3-1 win over Brentford. We reported last week that their new Ivorian, Maxwell Corney, had scored two goals against Southampton. Well, he was on the score sheet again, against Brentford, and also had a goal disallowed by VAR. He's certainly making his mark. Chelsea's goals are coming in all directions. Their right wing-back Reese James scored two goals against Newcastle, which means, incredibly, with five league goals this season, he's a top Chelsea goal-scorer. And fellow wing-back Ben Chilwell has scored four goals, and it remarkably means that the Chelsea defence have scored 12 league goals and the strikers have only got
0: 4. Uh, that uh, really is uh, quite amazing. Thanks a lot Stuart so Chelsea playing Burnley this weekend. Right before we go a reminder of our question on social media this week. Are you interested in the CAF Women's Champions League uh, running from the 5th to the 19th of this month in Egypt? It's the first ever edition. Are you interested? Uh, tell us your thoughts on Facebook. That's on our page Planet Sport Football Africa. I'll send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Are you interested in the CAF Women's Champions League? Well, from E. Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.